Welcome to the Whole Equestrian Podcast. We're here bridging the gap between riding and wellness. Discussing topics related to mindset, fitness, nutrition, and community. Our mission is to promote health and happiness through our love of horses. I'm Emily Hamill, an international five-star level eventer, dedicated practitioner of yoga, Pilates, and meditation, personal development enthusiast, and plant-strong athlete, and I am recording this in beautiful Cheltenham, England. Wow, international five-star group. I know, I had to throw that in there. (laughs) We'll get to that later, but um, I'm Tyler Held, and I am a semi-retired professional five-star groom and mental toughness coach. I am a lifelong learner in the areas of mindset, positive thinking, and motivation. I'm a blue belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu and for I guess about another seven or eight months I am a doctoral student in sport and performance psychology. Impressive resume. Busy busy woman you are Tyler Held. All, all the time all the time. Yeah and so where are you coming to us from? Oh I forgot that listeners. yeah I yeah. am I'm currently actually in my bed in Pennsylvania. I got like a desk for my bed. Um, oh, a so bed desk. A, de- a bed desk, yeah. So I'm sitting, because um, I don't have like a real desk in my room and I don't really have room for them in my new room. So yeah. I got a little desk so I can, you know, be super comfortable when I am working on the computer. And I know, I guess actually that's not from like sleep science stuff. You're not supposed to do things like non-sleep related in your bed. But like for now, um, it's a good solution. I guess technically I could use this desk in my chair, but that's just like a long rant that our listeners didn't really need to hear. (laughs) Long story short, I am in Chester County, Pennsylvania. Well, um, how is Chester County, Pennsylvania? I'm kind of missing it. It but is not finally, actually. Yeah, no. You're like in beautiful overseas land of fun and joy um, and look like you've been having all sorts of a good time. But yeah, no, it's actually uh, finally spring. I think it's actually supposed to be 90 degrees on Friday. Um, had like a beautiful dinner uh, outside on the patio at our local tavern the whip on Sunday night and I was like yep this is what Chester County is all about so just nice. enjoying it and uh and yeah doing horses and jujitsu and sports psychology and all the things all the things well with that intro we would like to welcome you or welcome you back to the whole equestrian podcast As we said in our intro, our mission is to promote health and happiness through our love of horses, and we do this by having conversations about being more well-rounded individuals via our pillars, mindset, fitness, nutrition, and community. We release one main episode a month, but have also had some exciting guests on the show. Be sure to check out our latest guest episode, which I think we talked about last time, so we're going (laughs) to... I mean, you should still check it out with Unstabled and Unbridled if you haven't heard that already. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I like uh, going back in the archives sometimes and seeing some of the old episodes that we've done. But, um, but yeah, like we said, uh, we 
typically focus on mindset, fitness, nutrition, and community, and I'm still going to try to include that in our conversation today, but we're going to put Emily on the spot a bit because Emily is obviously doing some very exciting things with her year. She is in England, uh, just finished competing at badminton, um, and she's going to stay over there and have her sights set on Burley. So I feel like that's just uh, something that everyone in the equestrian world dreams about. Badminton's a big uh, dream five-star for a lot of people, and so the fact that Emily has gotten around that and is going to go do then Burley, another really difficult five-star, she's just checking them off, might as well get them all done once before we start making the rounds again. Um, so, <laughs> so that's what we're going to talk about today because I, you know, I've talked to Emily a bit since the show, but I'd love to hear more about it and hear some of her mental processes. Um, and, uh, she went through quite a journey to get there. So, uh, we'll, we'll sort of experience the emotions of that roller coaster ride along with her. Um, but before we do that, we're going to talk about our goals and our books because that's what we always do on this podcast. So Emily, I mean, I feel like badminton really ties into your year of the twos. You got the first of your two five stars done, but uh, what, what else do you have to say about that? Yes, uh, that is a good point. I'm kind of using 2022 to do things in twos. So yes, badminton and fingers crossed burly. Um, I am also continuing with the trend of reading like two books at a time, one fiction, one nonfiction, um, and trying to work on some different aspects of um, myself and my business as well. So while I'm here, obviously I'm, I'm really focusing on Barry's training once he gets back into work. Uh, but then I'm also taking time to build my actual other, the, the real business business side of things. So, um, just trying to figure all of that out and how to tie in the whole equestrian and yoga and all of that, just trying to um, make a more cohesive uh, business plan moving forward. And also, uh, yeah, uh, so that's about the goals, but then also my word this year is value. And I am really trying to use this time that I'm overseas to learn what I really value and how I can create more value uh, for others in my life. And I'm excited to have have the time to do that while I'm here. Yeah, that's exciting. I mean, I guess it's kind of like a weird time for you right now, um, being overseas with one horse. And obviously, Barry's earned a little bit of time off after running around badminton. So um, much deserved little break for you. I think you said you rode some horses today and are going to start getting back into that. But uh, definitely interesting, like starting your life for a year in a different country, I can only imagine. It's been quite the ride, so I'm uh, happy to share more about that later. But what awesome. do you have going on? How's your word of the year helping you and the year of 22? I want to hear about that. 
Yeah, so my word of the year is growth, um, and I wanted to grow myself, grow my businesses. Um, gosh, that sort of now encompasses a jujitsu gym that I just opened May 1st was our uh, soft opening. We're kind of getting things rolling slowly, going to do a more grand opening thing um, in the months to come, but it's been going really well. Um, my goal was to work with 22 new sports psychology clients. I think I have 22 total right now. Um, some, some I've had for a little bit, so I'm getting really close to having 22 new, um, which has just been exciting to sort of see the process of you know, working with athletes when I'll originally get them in, it's like the growth is so um, quick at first or, you know, like sometimes the they're coming with me with a particular issue or a goal competition in mind. So I'll work with them a lot, like every week um, and then sort of like taper off from there. So I'm kind of at a spot right now where a lot of the clients that I gathered at the beginning of the year and the beginning of the semester are starting to um, see improvements in their mental game. And as much as it's like sucks that this is what the industry is like, it's like, okay, like now I'm sending them on their ways to go do awesome things and, and do just more check-ins, um, and exploring some new clients that way. So that's awesome. Um, one thing I haven't been fantastic about is my 22 minutes of social media a day, because I feel like I'm doing stuff to promote the whole equestrian, I'm doing stuff to promote the gym, I'm doing stuff to promote myself and sports psychology, and like as much as I don't want to just be sitting on social media all day, I like understand the value in social media. Um, I've gotten quite a few of my clients through this podcast, through other podcasts that I've done. Um, people message me on Instagram. I just like post about being a sports psychologist. So like that is um, an avenue for my businesses. So I'm trying to take that framework of like 22 minutes of social media a day as like limiting it to 22 minutes of social media consumption. But whew, there are some funny Instagram reels out these days, guys. <laughs> I get like, I go down the path and I'm like, can I can't stop. Yeah, I can't stop cackling. But like, it's honestly like, it's a good mental break. Like, I feel like where social media can be really debilitating is, like, social comparison and stuff like that. And I'm never really using it in terms of, like, let me go see what everyone else is doing and, like, make myself feel bad because I'm not living up to, like, some Instagram standard. Like, at the end of the day, I go in to help promote my businesses and get a good laugh and then, like, message my friends. So, you yeah. know, I'd like to be on my phone less, but at the same time, like, I recognize where it's been beneficial to opportunities in my life. I think that's a, a healthy way to look at it. Um, thanks, so, thanks, Emily. <laughs> speaking of Instagram reels, I'm just going to do a little shout out to one that I find really funny or, you know, a content creator. Have you seen the Evan Grooms or Evan the Groom? Have you seen that? No, I haven't. Oh my gosh, it's so funny. He's like this dressage groom, and he he just posts like some really funny things. There's this pony named Piper that he does a lot of posts with. But if you want a good laugh, like it's just like good, clean, fun, horsey related things. Um, yeah, I think he does a really good job. So 
Gosh, you um, got to shoot that into my DMs, Emily. Come on. I will. I'll, I'll do that next time I see a funny one. Yeah, it's Evan the Groom or Evan Grooms or something, but I will um, I'll, uh, share that with you. Yeah. So I'm at a point, like, Ashling and I will share, like, 15 reels to each other a day. It's uh, it's a little <laughs> bit of a problem, but, like, yeah. it's so then funny. It's really hard, hard to <laughs> stay under that 22 minutes. I know. Uh, well, like, the reels are only, like, 60 seconds, but... Um, right. It's funny because like I I've always been like oh no like I don't like TikTok like TikTok so like just a, a waste of time and stuff like that and like the two friends that I have that like really like TikTok say it's such an educational place like if you want to go learn about your trade or like something that you're interested in art science jujitsu horses like there are TikToks that are like okay wow like you actually like learn a lot it's not just like. I don't know, to me, like, TikTok was always, like, stupid TikTok dances, which obviously right. I've engaged in as well, but um, but I've never had a TikTok, and I'm like, whoa, no, TikTok, and then I find myself, like, sitting on Instagram, I'm like, this is no better, this is no better, <laughs> but anyways, another, another side conversation right. for another day. Exactly. All right, well, um, shall we move on to one of our favorite segments of our show? Let's do it in three, two, one. Books, books, books. Okay, oh my God. Tyler. I'm so sorry. Literally, as you said, <laughs> okay, one. that was just me. <laughs> no, like, so, so Emily and I were like doing, we're recording obviously literally across the country. What even, like, it's 9 30 a.m. for me. What time is it there for you, Emily? It is 2 30 in the afternoon. Right. Or like, Emily. 14 30. On military time, which Ooh. they use here. Yeah, military so. time bra- breaks my mind. But right as you counted down one, two, three, my like phone yeah. went off with a notification in my ear, <laughs> and like the like ching was distracting to my ability to say books, books, books. But you carried us through. Um, I did. So <laughs> moving on. I, just, I think the listeners are gonna enjoy that you like counted yourself down to books, books, books. Yes, I had to. I- <laughs> you had to prepare for for it I did Um, I I wanted to nail it so anyways Uh, I uh, am currently reading The Soul Sourced Entrepreneur um, by Christine Kane and it is an unconventional success plan for the highly creative secretly sensitive and wildly ambitious and this book was actually recommended to me by Alexis Kletchian shout out to Alexis um yeah I am really enjoying it I'm about two-thirds of the way way through it uh but basically it's just a different way to kind of like approach business so instead of it just being like your traditional look at the numbers like grind away do that sort of stuff it's like a more um well rounded, a little bit spiritual, like a little bit, um, I guess some people might think it's like woo woo, but it's like just coming, approaching your business with like the right mindset and, um, just different ways to create and grow in a way that seems right for you instead of just your standard approach to business. Um, and I've just found it really interesting and I've gotten some good takeaways 
Um, and I'm hoping to apply that as I'm working on my business here and trying to grow it and make it fit uh, my life and my values and all of that a bit more. So that, did, that's me. Did you me. say shift? shift my values because I thought you were just like shit (laughs) (laughs) I said shift but um for for a second it said shit my values (laughs) all right well um definitely didn't intend to say that if that's how it came out but no um yeah I think now I'm distracted at exactly what I was saying, but basically, okay. you know, I didn't mean to put you on the towards... spot. <laughs> it's okay. You're about to do that a lot more in our interview section. But anyways, just, you know, trying to align with my values and, uh, while creating a solid business foundation is basically my takeaway on that. So, uh, what are you reading, Tyler? Well, I just finished two, which, first of all, by the way, that book sounds awesome, and I also love, besides you saying shit, um, was uh, that, like, woo-woo is just, like, such, like, everybody knows what you're talking about when you're like, oh, like, yeah. maybe this is a little woo-woo for someone. Like, not in the dictionary, but, like, you know what woo-woo means. Yeah. Um, segue again. But I read... I. We all know I've been on a memoir kick. I love memoirs. I've been reading a lot of memoirs. So um, my cat spilled water on my computer, so I had to go get my computer fixed at the Mac store. And there was a Barnes and... I've been trying to be really good about not buying books and going to the library Mm -hmm. instead. But there was a Barnes and Noble, so I was like, well, I have to walk into this Barnes and Noble. And then there was a memoir in the 50% off section that was called This Bright Future. And the, like, back was intriguing. It's like, um, you know, someone that has gone through abuse and it's like, oh, my mom, she was so crazy. She broke my brother. She broke my sisters. But, like, she didn't break me. I was like, okay, cool. Like, this sounds like, you know, sort of up my alley what I'm into. Someone overcoming some trauma in their life to be on to be like a better person well it turns out that this book is written by bobby hall aka logic who is a rapper and i had like huh. not i i guess um there's one song of his called like 1-800 that i think if like you listen to you would recognize um but like i had not listened to his music or anything like that but it turns out that i have like a lot of friends that are really like good fans of this rapper and so I'm like oh this is cool on multiple levels I get to take a couple deep dives so I read the memoir it was an interesting story um he grew up in Gaithersburg which is where my dad worked growing up so like his neighborhood Mm. that he was living in was like six minutes down the road from like my dad's dealership that he managed my whole childhood um so like cool like Maryland stuff from there I'm like ooh, I'm from Maryland too logic um and just sort of like his experience with you know, overcoming a really rough childhood and then, you know, starting his career and then dealing with, like, anxiety on the road. All this stuff. Really, really good story. And he talks about at one point when he was touring and his health wasn't very good because he wasn't taking care of himself, he started to, like, cope with some of his, like, mental stuff that was going on through writing. And he actually wrote a novel. So I have a nonfiction book and a fiction book both by the same author, um, and his novel, Supermarket, I, like, 
if you told me it was written by a rapper before I listened to it, like, just, like, from a, I guess, preconceived notion, judgment thing, like, I wouldn't have, it is probably the best book that I have ever written. It is literary genius. Really? I, wow, I, that there's, is there's, high praise. There's just, like, no other way to describe it, and I, like, want to give it this high review because I want everyone to go out and read it and start messaging me about it so I can talk about the plot because, like, I can't really give a lot away. Like, I can't say a lot about it right now without, like, spoiling it for, well, what, just like... Just, like, a little teaser because Supermarket, that could go in, like, different directions. Like, what... Just a basic what's it about. Okay, so it's about a guy working in a supermarket <laughs> okay that's um, the name got it yeah yeah he gets broken up with by his girlfriend that's like right in the beginning um and he's like really depressed and he ends up getting a job in a supermarket because he wants to write like a book he's a writer so he wants to write a book about like, basically, like, being average and, like, what it's like to experience life at, like, a very base level. So to get inspiration from his book, he goes to work in this supermarket. And I really can't tell you anything else without spoiling it. But it's so good. Okay, well, then I am going to need to find that and read it while I'm here. You absolutely do. I literally, I got it, like, so I Amazoned it to myself. And it came at, like, 3.30 or 4 p.m. on, like, a Wednesday night. And I was yeah. finished it by, like, 10 a.m. the next Thursday. And that's with, like, jujitsu and stuff. Like, I think it took me, like, maybe four hours to read in, like, wow. two different sittings. I, like, I couldn't put it down. I actually want to read it again. Like, that's how good it was. Okay. All right. I'm on it then. So. I am That's my book. Be okay. sure to hit me up on Instagram if you do go read that book. Uh, I could talk to you for hours about how much I liked it. So, Okay, well, that's going to clearly be my next book so that we can have a deeper conversation. Yep, but, definitely. Uh, in the meantime, shall we shift gears and yes. get into our but other conversation? The main topic for today, which is basically just grilling you about badminton. So Okay, I'm ready. Why don't you take us back in time, Emily, to everything that happened leading up to your trip? Because it felt like maybe the weight of the world was against you between <laughs> um, being on the wait list uh, to your knee injury and uh, just sort of all sorts of change of plan things going on yes uh I mean how far back do you want me to go do you want me to go to like the beginning of this crazy adventure like when I decided that I wanted to do it yeah I mean I we've talked a little bit like I know yeah last episode we talked a little bit about it and stuff like that and like we've kind of covered that um okay so basically Yes. The, yeah, I'll, I'll I mean, give like a really had, quick, sh- a short thing, and then yep. I'll get into the, the deeper, like once I finally was like, I'm going to badminton. So yep. in the late fall, decided I wanted to go to badminton. 
um, and stay through Burley because it's expensive. And I was like, I need to make the most out of this trip overseas. So I decided to put my house on the market, try to cut my expenses, yada, yada, um, which was a bit risky because like if it didn't work out, I basically didn't have a house. Um, and you know, didn't really have a place to stay between Aiken and then leaving for England. Luckily, one of my clients graciously offered um, part of their house for me to, to live in for like three weeks. Uh, so during that time, I guess that kind of speeds it up to before badminton, I got back from Aiken um, right after Stableview. is the first Monday in April. Uh, it was a very long trip coming home, lots of traffic, but I was happy we made it to Pennsylvania. Um, I was currently still on the wait list for badminton. Um, yeah, I definitely was because then... Yeah, you were on the wait list until like after your surgery. After the surgery. Yeah, I'm trying to... I should remember the exact day, but anyway... Yeah, so um, got back from Aiken. I was close to the top of the, you know, uh, wait list. So I was like, okay, I think I'm going to get in. Like, no problem. Then I get back that Monday. Uh, we got back late. Came back Tuesday morning. Went to go get on my first horse, which was not Barry. It was a different horse that day. Um that I was doing first and I was bending down to groom the horse and my knee just like did not go the right direction. So my right knee didn't go the right direction. It was like super painful. I couldn't move. I think we talked about this a little bit maybe in the last episode. Um, I like had to sit on a tack trunk, really painful. My, my girl over here, Tyler, luckily could come and pick me up and like take me to um the house that I was staying at and uh then my friend Sydney made some calls and I was able to get in touch with Chris Lyons who's the like orthopedic surgeon to the eventing stars basically like he's done a lot of work on uh people in the Chester County area um so anyways, I was able to call him, talk to him, be like, this is what's happening. Like, my, I can't move my knee. I'm stuck. I'm in so much pain, blah, blah, blah. So he said uh, I should go back, like, home, put my leg up, try to relax. Hopefully it would, like, get unstuck. Uh, and then he scheduled an appointment with me or with him the next day um, to check it out. My knee did not get better. Next day, I went into his office, um, and he was like, yeah, I think you probably tore your lateral meniscus. Um, it's probably going to need surgery. Obviously, I had to get an MRI to confirm that. Got the MRI. Huge tear in my lateral meniscus. Also, tear in my medial, the medial side. Um, so... Luckily, I was able to get into surgery, like, that Friday. So this all happened really fast. And this is where it's, like, I'm so grateful to, like, have connections with people in Chester County and, like, know people who know people. And um, 
Dr. Lines was amazing. He's an equestrian himself, so he gets it, you know. And I, when I told him that I'm going to badminton, he was like, okay, well, we'll make sure that this, like, happens. Um, so was able to get the surgery Friday. Um, felt actually pretty good after the surgery. Waited, like, almost a week to start riding Barry. Um I, he did give me permission to ride Barry. He's like, don't be riding anybody else, but like you can ride Barry. Uh, so was able to ride. And then somewhere in that point or like in that week, I think I got off the wait list and then I was like, we're doing this, you know? And so, um, yeah, I guess we got in, my knee got fixed. It was a little painful, but like I was able to, uh, work through it and ride and um was never actually that painful riding it was more painful like at the end of the day like after I'd done a lot um so yeah did that um and then I guess finally knowing that I got into badminton because while all this was happening I was like trying to plan like I was going but I didn't know that I was going for sure which makes it really difficult to like book tickets and, you know, people that are coming to watch me are hesitant to book because, you know, like if I don't go, blah, blah, blah. Finally, we like, I guess before we even knew for sure that I was getting in, I think I was like second from the top. Um, I was like, okay, we're going to commit. Everybody book their tickets. And then like the next day or two, I got the call that I was in, which was really cool because the um, organizer of badminton like called me herself and was like, I have some exciting news, like you're off the wait list, um, which was kind of cool. And she said it in her British accent, so it felt super official. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, and then it was like, okay, we got to figure out how to pack up my whole life and berries to leave for England uh, couldn't have done it without the help of my mom who came and she's a master packer. She's like, she can Jenga everything, like make everything fit ever, you know, like just, I, I packed a lot of stuff and not that many containers. I was pretty happy with myself. Um, but again, that was much in part, uh, to my mom, um, yeah, so we packed up. I, this is like talking through it. I'm like exhausted talking through it, but basically, it was a whirlwind. <laughs> we got packed up. I got picked up at True Prospect Farm uh, by someone to drive us to JFK, which was worth every penny, as you said, because like getting to JFK with a horse trailer is like, crazy and I'm so glad that I didn't try to do that on my own um that was a pro tip from me guys that was yeah that was definitely a pro tip from Tyler and uh that was for sure the way to go uh so we got to the arc at JFK it was kind of cool because I'd never been there and you know the whole thing was really exciting because I've never flown with a horse and just everything uh so that experience was awesome we stayed over 
whatever night that was, probably Thursday, Thursday night, Wednesday night, I don't remember now. Um, but we stayed one night and then we left the next day. And it was just Barry and Carl Slezak's horse, Fernhill Wishes, a.k.a. Chalk. So I was able chalk? to ride with the chalk, but not like, not like <laughs> chalk, like white chalk, but like chalk, like chocolate, but chalk. Oh, <laughs> I was okay. confused at first too. I like um, chalk, like street chalk better. Like in my yeah, mind, when I he actually... told me that, uh, yeah. Yeah, so, um, but he was a sweet horse, and he and Barry traveled really well together, so I got to take care of him, and the cargo flight that we were on, it was freaking awesome. It was, like, me and two other grooms, international grooms, that were just, like, flying back. There weren't any other horses on the plane. It was just our two horses and then a bunch of cargo, And um, but the other grooms, like, very experienced, really nice. They were from the Netherlands, um, so I didn't understand half of what they said, but super nice. Um, and, yeah, they kind of, like, showed me how to go and check on the horses, which was cool. Because, Do you remember their names at all? Uh, they're friends with me on Facebook now. I'll, I'll look it up and get back to you. Okay, because um, there's, one, there's one lady named Jenny that I've flown with a few times now. And she's on okay, a lot of the were flights. Okay, they were both guys. Okay, um, gotcha. So, but yeah, they were awesome. And yeah, the experience was so cool. I mean, you've done it, so you know. But um, have you ever gotten to be in the cockpit on takeoff? Because I did. You got to be in the it cockpit was, on takeoff? Yeah. Like, I made friends with the pilot, and they let me be in the cockpit. And like, when we took off, it was pretty cool. And then... Yeah. Yeah, no, the pilots have never talked to me. They, I think they only did because the grooms, like, introduced me, and then they were like, hey, could she ride up there with you for takeoff? And they're like, sure. So I, like, sat up there. Oh, wow. Yeah, and then, um, like, yeah, and the seats, it's first class on steroids. You have all this space, and you, like you said, you have all sorts of food, anything you could want. There was, like, fresh fruit trays and vegetable trays and, like, pasta and stuff. And there was even, a like, a room where you could – where there were beds and you could lay down. Did you – I didn't go in them because I, like, kept getting up to look at Barry. But, yeah, yeah it was I, awesome. I didn't go in there, but, like, on the one flight, our grooms disappeared, like, the international grooms. And I'm like, where are they? So they must have <laughs> been in – the bedroom, yeah. but um, yeah, but yeah, crazy experience, right? Yeah, it was awesome. And then landing um, in Belgium at Liège, that was just kind of like a a lot of waiting around for bags and such. And then, um, yeah, and then the trip, like actually, the flight was probably the easiest part of the trip. You know, and then, like, after that, we had to get on a lorry, and then we had to drive to France, and then we had to get on a ferry from France to England, which was cool. Like, they just drive the lorry up, you know, into the ferry, and then, like, got to walk around on the ferry, go outside. I don't know. It was fun. Um, Mm -hmm. And then once we got to England, then we had to drive more hours. Like, the whole trip took quite a long time, but 
uh, the horses handled it really well. And yeah, it was, it was an experience. I'm glad that I didn't have to turn around and do that again a week later. That's all I have to say. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so like mentally for you, like just sort of like to tie this into our pillar of like mindset and stuff. Cause like I, we kind of joked about this when you rented your house, right? I was like, Emily, like you're full send on this England plan. Like what, like to me, I was like, what happens if you get hurt, if Barry gets hurt, if like COVID shuts the whole country down again, right? like that's really bold of you to just be like, no, I'm going to badminton. And I feel like all these things like came up of, oh gosh, is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? And I know that like you had those thoughts going on in terms of, oh gosh, is it, is it not? But I feel like at the end of the day, there was something inside you saying like, I'm going to make this happen no matter what. Um, And I feel like in the face of adversity like that, like some people choose to give up Um, and you really didn't, like, you chose to persevere, you chose to push through, like, you made a conscious effort to be like, no, I am going to do this. I don't care that my knee is ripped and I'm getting surgery and, like, I'm gonna ride quicker than, like, a typical surgery would be, like, recommended to get back in the saddle. Like, I'm just gonna do that. What do you think was, like, driving you through that? What do you think was the mental sort of desire or push or framework for you in dealing with all of that uh I think it's just like once I set my mind to something I am gonna like see it through like if I really set my mind to something I'm gonna make sure it happens and like I'd put so much into it I'm like this is not like these things can't stop me you know like I I mean, there were definitely times where I was like, well, I should just do Kentucky. Um, And I had entered Kentucky as a backup. But then um, it was funny. Once I finally decided to pull my entry from Kentucky, that's when everything started moving faster for badminton. So it's almost like once I let go and be like, all right, well, it's either badminton or nothing, um, then you know, kind of just, like, all started to come together. Um, Yeah, I think it was just sheer determination and that, like, I didn't want all of my efforts up until that point to have been for nothing. So I think just the whole time I was like, this is happening. Like, it is going to happen. Like, I just, even though I questioned it a little bit because how can you not, it's – when you're on the wait list and all this stuff is happening, there was this like deeper part of me that just knew it was all going to work out. And I kind of, you know, tapped into that daily, like in my meditation, I tried to like, just, um, do some manifestation, uh, meditations and also, kind of the idea of like surrendering as well like you want to think about what you want but then at some point you just have to be like okay well I'm doing all that I can I'm just gonna like let it play out but still like having I just had this feeling in me that it was all gonna work out even in the midst of what seemed like complete chaos for a while right right And then I think we can sort of parallel this conversation and extend it into something that happened during the event, right? Um, Mm -hmm. So uh, 
you know, obviously it was unfortunate that you had a little bit of a bobble on cross-country course. Barry is a very, very strong cross-country horse, but at the same time, gosh, like badminton is one of the biggest tracks in the world. Um, you were among really, really high-level riders that didn't get around. Um, so to me, going to that show and like getting a finish, even with like a little bit of a bobble on the record is a, is a huge accomplishment and something that you can be proud of. But I think watching the course, right? Like there's this idea of this grit, this determination, this let's keep going sort of attitude that, I mean, you could have easily fallen off, like, right? Like you could oh, have yeah. easily yeah. like taken a spill had you not been so focused and determined. So like, take me through that moment on course, like what actually happened? And like, what was your mental refocusing process to be like, all right, I got to like, get this done. Yeah. So, um, Barry, like he was awesome. He's such a good boy. He was game for everything. Um, you know, we started the course, the course, basically the beginning was, I don't want to say easy, but it was like straightforward. I I mean, the whole thing, if you rode well, it, it worked out, but the beginning and the end were, um, Again, I hate to say easier, but they they were just it was a little more like, okay, none like you understood everything. You're like, okay, this is all gonna work out. Then the middle section of the course was really difficult. Like it was just one thing after the next, after the next, like big technical, like the middle portion of the course, you just had to be on your game. Um and so yeah, coming into that middle kind of hard section. So I would say, like, you know, that broken bridge that everybody was making such a big deal out of, I would say that was like the beginning of the difficult middle section. So that he was a star, great. Then we had a combination that after that corner combination, which was he was perfect. Uh, then we had the footbridge, also good. Another just like single fence. Then we came up to the water, the Mars Sustainability Bay. And I think I just underestimated how it was going to ride out of such a tight turn. Um, so you had a really like maxed out drop in to the water. And then it was three, possibly four strides to the skinny in the water. And you had to come, the way that it was roped, you had to come off of, like, a pretty tight turn. And uh, it was shaded, you know, it was under some trees. And I just think, like, I thought I had a good plan, but now in hindsight, I'm like, oh, I needed to, like, stay out more and come at it stronger. But I just kind of, like, I stayed out, but there, I could have been a bit more accurate there. So I, I came through the turn didn't give him the best ride. Like it wasn't a horrible ride, but I was just like, okay, like definitely could have ridden that better, but he popped in, um, fine. Like he was like, okay, mom, I'll go. It doesn't matter. But he just land, like he just, the way he jumped and landed with the big drop and not having quite the right, uh, entry and power. I just got, I lost my stirrups when we landed and there's a pretty good series of pictures that I'll have to share. Um, but 
like we're going in the drop. It's going fine. Land, not so great. I like thought I might fall off, but was hell bent not to. Um, so, and meanwhile, Barry's like looking at the next jump. And I almost think, I was like, maybe if I would have just turned and held on, like he would have kept going. But I was like, I don't have stirrups. I'm like halfway off my horse. <laughs> we lost power. So I decided to just pull out, get my stirrups, come back, and then do uh, the B element, which was 17B. And he was great. He was like, okay, whatever. You know, like just kept going. And then after that was like the the coffin combination, the Lemieux leap, and which was quite difficult. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to get it together. You know, there's no time to just be uh, thinking about what just happened. Like I was like, okay, it's done. That happened. Now I need to get it together to ride this well. And then from there on, he was great. Um, I took my foot off the gas a little bit after that stop. Cause you know, at that point it's like, you're not gonna be in the, the top. So it's like, let's save my horse, have a really good experience. Plus I wasn't sure, like I thought he was fit. Um, but you know, after the stop, I was like, well, let's just see how he runs here because it was a really long course. It was 1144, um, which I think is like the longest. Well, it's definitely the longest we've done. Um, uh, but luckily, he finished full of runs. So I and I was doing pretty well time wise. You know, I was maybe before we had the problem, I was maybe like 20 seconds off the time. Um, but could have easily like made that up in the latter part of the course. Um, but yeah, I think for me, and I guess speaking of time in hindsight, cause I'm thinking, cause I was just kicking myself that we had the issue in the water because like it shouldn't have happened. No one likes having a 20 on their record, especially like, you know, I'm like Barry's so good. It wasn't his fault at all. Like he was such a trier. Um, but, you know, I'm thinking back, okay, what could I have done differently? And I was replaying it, and I was like, you know what? I, for a second, lost a bit of my concentration because my watch had gone off before we got to the water, and I was, like, a little bit off my minute mark. Like I said, I was between, like, I was around, like, 20 seconds off the minute mark, and I was like, oh, mm -hmm. shit. You know, and I – and it was right, right before – we had the problem. And I think I just lost my focus for a little because of that. And, um, you know, I think that that maybe had played a part in the issue. It was just like I had lost my focus. And we talk about that all the time about staying in the moment. And that, like, took me out of the moment for a second. And then that happened. Um, so it was a good learning lesson for me. And, uh, I think it's hard sometimes to be aware of your minute markers and not lose your concentration on what is coming up next. Um, but I think I need to learn to like listen for the minutes, but then, you know, fix it at a place in the course <laughs> or think about it after I get through a hard combination or whatever. Um, so that's just something I need to to work on. Um, 
but yeah, it was a learning opportunity for sure. Um, so hopefully I can learn from that and, uh, produce a better result at Burley, but I'm, I am thrilled that like he came out of it so well and like he was happy. He could have kept going if I asked him to. So, um, it was not a a berry issue for sure. (laughs) Yeah. And I actually, I think it's a really interesting thing that you bring up about, um, sort of like the minute marker taking your confident or your concentration out of where it needed to be. Right. Because like Mm. our mind is so in tune to like hit cues like that. So if you hear your minute marker go off, like that sound in your head is a mental process of like, let me think where I am on my minutes and where I'm doing. And like, you only have the attention to focus on one thing at a time. So if it's hitting you at a wrong point, it's hitting you at a jump. You literally have this cue that says, hey, focus on me. And that's not what you need to be focusing on the moment. So I'm right. Like that, that's the same thing that we use keywords for, right? Of like, if there's a certain time in our competition that we know we need to do like something different or something specific of like, how can I insert a keyword to uh, resonate with my focus or resonate with what I need to do in this moment? And it brings your attention into the present, right? Sometimes people like will hit this wall of, um, oh crap, oh crap, oh crap, right? Like you hit a moment in a, in like performance where it's just like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. And if you literally say, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. Like, you don't have the mental space to think, I can't do it at the same time as you're telling yourself that you can. So I'm wondering yeah. if, like, you know, in like trying to reprocess that minute marker into something that's like, hey, let's go, um, instead yeah. of, uh, oh, gosh, like, where am I, what am I doing? Because, you know, it, it's, it, it is interesting to see stuff like that. Um, and obviously, like, personalities are going to feed into, like, different responses as well. Like, you know, jujitsu matches are a certain time limit. And sometimes it's points or sub only or, like, you have to act. And, like, if a coach yells at you, hey, you've got two minutes left, are you the kind of person that's going to react and say, okay, cool, I've got to work? Or, oh, crap, there's two minutes left and I'm exhausted. I don't think I can do this anymore. Well, the way that you react to that cue is going to change how you experience the next two minutes or the next, you know, jump on course. So that is definitely interesting. And I think like that was the biggest thing that I wanted to talk to you about just because like, I mean, it's so awesome that like you're able to tackle this big course and yeah, like you kick yourself in the butt for being like, oh, I could have done this. I could have done that. But for me, like, watching you experience that and then still go on to finish the course like wow that's like mental toughness your ability to refocus and be like wow just because I had a bobble doesn't mean I'm not gonna ride the rest of the course like that's awesome yeah well and thanks for saying that because it's you know it's so easy to focus on the negative um you know like oh god I had that 20 like that was so stupid but like at the end of the day I, I am actually really proud that I was able to keep it together because there's a lot left to do after that water. There was the coffin. There was this really hard open corner thing that people were having problems with. And then we still had the Vicarage V, which like is the iconic badminton jump. Barry ate it up. Um, and then 
I don't know how much you watched of the course, but then you had the solar panels with the bounces, which was causing some issues. So like, I still had a ton in front of me and yeah, I, um, it, it does take practice to be able to like put the bad stuff behind you and then continue on, you know, and thankfully at this point in my career, I've had enough experience, like being able to let it go at least in the moment and then continue to ride well. I mean, once I was done, I was like, Oh God, I can't believe that happened. But you know, in the moment I was like, okay, that happened. It wasn't Barry's fault. Like it's not because he doesn't want to jump or, you know, I just was like, okay, we got to buckle down and come home safely. Um, and that's what we did. So yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Um, just to do some quick touch-ins on our other pillars, um, how, how was walking the course? Like you said, it's an 1140 course, um, and you're coming off of knee surgery. Like how many times did you walk it and how did, um, sort of tapering off and focusing on riding Barry right before the show instead of riding the five, six, seven, eight horses that you're usually used to riding in a day, change your experience um and lead up to the show yeah um as far as like leading up to the show and not riding as many horses you know I would it was different for me but it was actually good because I think my whole body then like got a little bit of a rest and um was overall feeling pretty good you know yeah I had like some knee pain occasionally but like overall my body felt pretty good because it hadn't been taxed so much before mm -hmm. the event um and then at the event yeah I walked the course I think I walked it five times total yeah um five times five times it's a lot of mi that's a lot of miles um so yeah I luckily there was a really good physio um, that the U.S. team works with. She's based over here in the U.K., but, like, when they come over here, they work with her, Anna Johnson. And she lasered my knee every day and then taped it every day um, with that kinesthetic tape. I don't know if you've used that before, but it was actually really helpful. They put it, like, under my knee to help lift the kneecap, and that was helpful. And then I also, like, wore a brace uh, just like a soft knee brace while I was walking. Um, so yeah, that, um, that was that, you know, I just kind of worked with what I had. <laughs> um, I love it. I love it. Wasn't going to let a little bit of knee pain slow me down. So, um, yeah. Just goes to show you how, you know, like some things you Sometimes you think that things that are going to be a limitation uh, don't have to be if you have the right mindset. And I feel like if you had more of a woe is me, why is this happening to me? Oh no, I can't do this. Like, why am I hurt? Why am I injured? Sort of negative mindset, then you would have felt less of an ability to withstand what you did. But because you were so determined, because you had such a strong why, it was like not a problem. And I think that that's something that's like a big takeaway for our listeners at home of 
you know, does my motivation, is it strong enough for me to push through certain uncomforts and like setbacks? Because if you're someone that is struggling with a setback, I find that connecting with your why is really helpful, right? And Emily had such a strong purpose to go to the show and do the things that it's like, yeah, like I'm going to walk my course five times. Is it going to suck a little bit? Probably. She had knee surgery like two (laughs) weeks before that. But at the same time, what are you going to do? Like not do it? Complain about the fact that your knee hurts? That's not going to help contribute to your situation at all. Yeah. And as we've talked about before, like – not just in this situation, but in others, like all of these setbacks actually make for a better long-term story. You know, like nobody, (laughs) it's much easier to relate to someone who's had issues that they had to overcome versus someone who like everything works perfectly. Like I got into badminton, no problem. My, I didn't have any issues coming up to it. You know, like that's boring, right? But this, this has a little bit of interest to it. So yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> what about nutrition? How, uh, how's the, the eating over there, Emily? Did, were you able to find like vegan options throughout the oh, show? Yes, they are super, um, vegetarian, vegan friendly here. I have had some really good food. There's always seems to be a vegan option. I will admit sometimes I took the vegetarian option because like some of the vegan options like get a little repetitive after a while, but um, I've had a lot of good food here. Um, Yeah, so that actually hasn't been an issue. The bigger thing is, is um, water and drinking water. Like it's interesting to me here at the restaurants they don't just like bring you water like oh yeah you, you have, have to, to like, like order ask for it and yeah, a lot of and times so, it's sparkling yeah and so it was just different like learning that and like I've gotten really good at carrying around water bottles everywhere I go because it just seems like you know um otherwise I'm not going to get enough water in on a daily basis and uh yeah so that that has been more of like a, a learning curve for me and trying to like stay hydrated, especially when I was walking so much at badminton. And then actually while my mom was here, and we were like touring around, we were logging tons of miles every day as well. And so um, staying hydrated for that. Um, but yeah, the food, the nutrition aspect has not been difficult. I have to say it's been a really nice um change like I don't know if they just get it more over here you know more people want it and so that's why they've done it but I have yet to have found a place that doesn't offer some form of vegan option so awesome 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 um well so just to sort of wrap up the badminton conversation is there anything about the experience of a takeaway um that you can sort of share with our community of just the lesson or the message or the feeling, anything that resonates with you in terms of, you know, just putting a bow on the conversation? Yeah. Um, Well, as you've heard, there's a lot leading up to getting to badminton. And the strangest thing for me was like, I, I hate to say this, and sound like full of myself but 
I was not nervous, surprisingly. Like, somehow I was not nervous the whole competition. And I think it was just because I just felt this deep sense of, like, I've made it. I've made it here. You know, like, when I arrived and we brought the horses into the stabling, which was amazing, like, you walk through these arches, like, everything is gorgeous. You're right next to the badminton house. Um, we were in, like, the Duchess's horses uh, stable area, so, like, just these big, beautiful stalls. And you, like, walk in, and I was just in awe of how beautiful it was and also just so grateful to be there. And when the first time I got on Barry when I was there and, you know, walked up through the trade fair, past the arenas, like walking by the cross country, all of it, I was completely overwhelmed, um, you know, just, like, at the beauty and also I had, a, you know, I was very, like, emotional, not, like, crying, but I just, like, there was this feeling inside of me, like, wow, I can't believe, like, it had, like, it came together um, hard work pays off, you know, I was grateful for everybody that helped get me there, uh, because it was a big community effort, and I appreciate each and every one of you that has helped, um, to make this possible, but I think because I had those feelings, I didn't put so much pressure on the actual competition, like, clearly I wanted to do well, but I was just so thankful to be there and I think that that's kind of what kept my nerves at bay um and I was happy to be there with Barry and um just and my family that came over and it was just such a magical experience the whole thing it was just I it's so hard to describe if you have never been to badminton I highly suggest you go as a spectator supporter friend rider if that's what you want to do um but it is just it's out of this world um and yeah so that's that's kind of it keep on dreaming even if it breaks your knee exactly (laughs) if you want something bad enough you're gonna find a way to to make that happen um so yeah awesome awesome well I think that kind of ties into your um, suggestion we wrap up our show with uh, Emily's training tip of the month and my grooming tip of the month um, and I feel like everything you just said of stretching and dreaming sort of ties in with uh, what you want to encourage our listeners to do this month yes so my training tip for this month is to step out of your comfort zone so choose something that scares you as long as it's safe enough like I don't want you to do something completely stupid but something that just makes you feel a little bit anxious to do it Um, obviously use your best judgment uh, and it can be horse related or not I will give you a non-horse related example so when I came over here I had to get a rental car and um, as you guys probably know they drive on the opposite side of the road here And uh, also, manual transmissions are pretty typical. Like, it's harder to get an automatic transmission. So I had driven stick, like, in high school, but that was a while ago, and it was also on a different side of the road. 
So I, when I went to go get a rental car, I looked into automatics. They were so much more expensive than a manual. And so I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm just going to figure this out because I need to save some money. <laughs> and it scared the shit out of me because I was like, oh my God, it's hard enough to drive on the other side of the road, but then to have to like shift with your left hand, um, I'm not, I haven't driven stick in a while it was and like the roads here are so small and it's like crazy how people drive around here but I was like you know what I can do this I'm gonna be brave it's a little bit scary but I can do it and actually like (laughs) I gave myself a pep talk a little bit too I'm like if I can do this I can get around badminton two totally different things but it was like almost scarier I was more anxious to do this than I was to ride badminton cross-country which I don't know what that says about me but um anyway so my point it's no joke man (laughs) I didn't even want to drive in Germany and they they drive on the same side of the road but just like driving in a foreign country it's like (gasps) yeah it's and they like make up some rules here like there's different rules to the road I think I've figured them out um but they have a lot of roundabouts and like two-lane roundabouts and just like it's it was a bit nuts so um what I found is by doing something that scared me and then like figuring out how to do it it actually gave me confidence and then that transferred into other areas of my life I'm not going to say that that's why I was able to jump around badminton but you know it gave it did give me a confidence boost so probably (laughs) I know I was like you know if I can do this I can jump around badminton no problem Um, and honestly though that's like that's something that I use a lot in my practice right like and something that the Navy SEALs do like if you can create a list of all the hard stuff that you've done from like childhood and all the things that you've overcome and all the accomplishments that you've had our brains are hardwired to like work in patterns and that's why positive psychology is so influential because if you can sit and say okay, I like overcame this thing so I can overcome the next and I made honor roll in first grade and then this teacher told me I was awesome and I did all this really cool stuff and all this really awesome things, then you're just like start to identify as a person that does do hard things and does accomplish hard things and like I can push out of my comfort zone and even if things don't go my way even if I lose my stirrup and almost fall off like I am going to persevere because that's who I am and on the flip side if it's like I'm not sure I don't know if I can do this like life's beating me down I'm in a really negative space like you start to get in these trends and these zones and like you can almost force yourself into a positive mindset by going to do hard things that are within your competence level like it's it's like this zone that you need to push yourself uh far enough to create some resilience but not too far that you're going to create like a psychological injury I use the analogy of um you know like a horse coming back from a tendon injury like you have to start trotting to put stress on the leg like once you've hit that point of like okay like now we have to like start strengthening this back up but you don't want to go do canter sets on the first day because you're just going to snap the tendon again right yeah no I so think that same that's, thing that's a good uh tie-in and thanks Emily makes, I'm a professional 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I shouldn't be I shouldn't be shocked by this, but yeah. And that's you know going cross country too. You know the jumps were massive and you know kind of terrifying. But every time I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy, then I was like, oh, well, remember when I jumped something similar to this? You know, like maybe not this exact thing, but like we can do it. We can do hard things. Um, So yeah, I think when you challenge yourself and push yourself out of that comfort zone within reason, it just builds confidence and helps you tackle the next thing. So awesome. uh, what, what is your grooming tip for the month? Well, uh, it is May here in America. It, I guess it's May it, there I think too, it's but May everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> is it May? May everywhere. But thanks for <laughs> thanks for that. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's spring. <laughs> yep. I mean, I guess on the other side of the equator, wouldn't it be like? fall basically so I get where you're going with that yeah yeah so anyways um, I feel like we're approaching the time at least in Pennsylvania where like horses start to like rub their tails out because of like dryness and ticks and like just like all sort of things and you know I just feel like tails in general don't look great this time of year um if you're not taking care of them well enough and One thing that I notice people doing is like before a ride, it's like tempting to want to brush through your horse's tail all the time um, and make sure, you know, don't do it. Like if there's shavings, if there's straw in the tail, like obviously you don't want to be like sloppy and go ride your horse with shavings and straw in the tail. But like just finger pick that out, like finger brush it, be gentle on the tail and then after your ride like you should be really conditioning the tail at the base a minimum of once a week like especially during this time of year when their tails can get dry and itchy like get that conditioner into like the tail head and then put something like detangling in while the tail's still wet so that when it does dry it's nice and silky and like you should be able to even start finger brushing it through and like that's the time that you can brush it when it's clean conditioned detangled like don't just go in and be like yeah I'm gonna brush my horse's tail today it's just gonna look worse for the wear um and keeping that the the base of the tail really conditioned um, is going to keep it healthier and it's going to keep your horse more comfortable, right? Like they're not going to itch as much. And, and the other thing that's the benefit of doing that is, um, as you're going in and conditioning the tail bed really well, um, you're checking for ticks at that time. Um, and that's, I always like, as part of my grooming routine during this time of the year, when I'm finger brushing my tail, I am like checking for ticks. Yeah. So multiple benefits to that and you just have to think like how long it takes for the tail hair to grow that long you know it's it's got to take I don't even know how long but to get a hair to grow as long as a tail hair it's like years upon years so when you just like rip a brush through your horse's tail and you pull out tail hair like that's not coming back anytime soon so you got to take care of it right right absolutely good stuff. All right. Well, uh, 
What's next, Tyler? I, I know for me personally, I have a little extra time and I want to use it wisely. So I'm going to work on figuring out how to give more back to our community, hopefully post some more things on the whole equestrian community Facebook page. It's free to join if you want to be part of the conversation. And basically, I would like to figure out how that we can serve you better. Um, and obviously, this is a joint effort between me and Tyler, but uh, I am going to try to spearhead some of this because I know Tyler is a very busy woman currently and me not as much. So <laughs> I love it. I love it. And um, for me, it is doing all those things. And, and one of the ways that I can serve you guys is through my sports psychology services. Um, and I just want to give a shout out to those right now because I am um, providing my services at an extremely discounted rate right now because it's a benefit to me as much as as it is a benefit to you. I'm collecting 200 hours of consulting as part of my mentorship process. Um, I'm at about 65 of 200. Um, I do need half of those to be in-person hours. So big bonus if you're in Chester County, Pennsylvania, please, please reach out to me because I need as many in-person hours as I can. Um, I feel like I'm sort of already getting my maximum with online, but I'm always... Um, open to new clients as well. So um, reach out to me, Facebook, Instagram, email uh, is T-Y-A-H-E-L-D at gmail.com. Um, and we can get you hooked up with some mental coaching because, gosh, equestrian sports are really difficult. <laughs> they are. They are hard. So check that out, people. You will not be disappointed. As I'm sure you know already, Tyler is fantastic. And you want that positive energy in your life so there you go okay all right well well i hope you enjoyed this behind the scenes candid conversation about badminton and maybe it even inspired you to chase your dreams whatever they may be as always, we love to hear your feedback. Please subscribe, rate, review. I believe that Spotify is now available to give reviews on. So um, anything you do boosts our podcast. Uh, another big thing that you can do is just share it with a friend. Tell your friends about us. Um, show them where they can find it. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you listen to your podcasts. Um, and just get them to help us build our community. Thanks for listening, everybody. We're here bridging the gap between riding and wellness. And in the meantime, enjoy the ride. <laughs>